Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you ever see a successful woman on your feed or in a magazine and think, wow, it must be nice to have it so easy? Well, think again. Behind that glossy cover or smiling face is a ton of hard work, countless failures, and endless learning experiences. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and I'm here to tell you that success isn't a walk in the park. It takes grit, resilience, and a willingness to take risks. That's why I created Superwoman a podcast that peels back the varnish and gets into the nitty-gritty of what it takes to make it as a woman in today's world. From luminaries and game changers to women you've never heard of but should, this podcast is here to inspire you to take your next leap, no matter how daunting it may seem. We'll explore the sacrifices these women have made, the highs and lows they've experienced, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from some of the most successful women out there, join me on Superwomen. Together, we'll uncover the stories behind the successes and prove that with hard work, determination, and a little bit of luck, anything is possible. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Iran Bouge, an incredible dancer with the Paul Taylor Dance Company. Iran began her training at the Orlando Ballet School and embarked in a career where she thought she would retire at a young age and start a family. Cut to being one of the longest performing dancers at the Paul Taylor Dance Company and ensuring that she was able to make family and her career work. Take a listen. Iran, I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to talk to you too. So when I saw your bio come through um, as a former dancer and a lover of the craft, I was like, ooh, I can't wait to dive in. Yay! Um, So tell me about what got you interested in becoming a dancer and when. I mean, you know, it's sort of like the classic story. I've been in dance classes since I was three, so I sort of can't remember not wanting to be a dancer. Um, And I was so blessed that, you know, I went to college for dance. I actually ended up going to study um, dance teaching, so I got a degree in ballet pedagogy because even then I sort of knew that like a college degree in dance does not guarantee one a career after their degree. Um, so if I was going to go to college and I wanted to go to college, it was, I thought that a dance teaching degree would serve me better as far as, you know, job prospects go. Um, and, but after I graduated, I had sort of been introduced to, um, the Paul Taylor's, um, company by some of my teachers and, did some summer intensives while I was still in school and I had just fallen in love with his way of moving. And 
shortly after I graduated, a woman left the company and they had an audition and I got in like straight out of college. So it's just been so, you know, my dream just come came true right away. Yeah. Oh my God. Now with some careers, you could not know what you want to do till you're 18 mm-hmm. and go to college and figure it out. But dance is not one of those. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, like I was sharing before we started, my daughter's nine and has the dancer body and she should do it. She doesn't want to. Um, <laughs> so I'd love for you to talk about the commitment and the discipline it takes to be a dancer. Yeah, I mean, from, you know, from a pretty early age, it was, you know, dancing, you know, six to seven days a week, sometimes of the year. You know, I did, I grew up sort of doing like strict ballet training um, at um, the Orlando Ballet in Florida, and they have a professional company. So, you know, you get opportunities to perform with the company, like at Nutcracker time and all that. Um, and, you know, fitting in any other extracurriculars around that is challenging. Um, back then I played, I want, really wanted to be in the marching band in high school <laughs> for some reason. Um, and I, in middle school, I played the flute. And at some point, I, um, our middle school band director got a bassoon. And um, I begged him to let me learn to play the bassoon because I figured I would be a little more valuable to the high school band teacher. <laughs> Um, because I really wanted to be in the marching band, but I knew that, like, you know, that required a huge commitment and that sometimes dance would take priority over that. And I was, I wanted him to want me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because as, um, you know, as now I've had, I've been with the Paul Taylor Dance Company for 18 years and, you know, a dancer's career is not long. Like 18 years is a pretty long career. And so over the last many years, I've been thinking, okay, when I retire from dance, like what next? Um, Because so you start like evaluating. I'm like, well, I took one sort of hobby, like, you know, dance was sort of a hobby as a young, as a kid and I made it a career. So it's like, I start thinking about the hobbies I have now, like which of them would I want to become a career, if any of them, you know, but yeah, yeah, all consuming. So you have focused on this as part of your life's work for the last 18 years with Paul Taylor. You thought about becoming a mom Mm -hmm. pre pandemic, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure what went through your mind? before that, like the impossibility of it in your case. Yeah. I sort of like always imagined that I would retire and then become a mom. And that was how like the people ahead of me in the company, most of the women that I saw ahead of me, they retired and then they became moms. And therefore, you know, many of them, A, became moms later in life um, than average, or B, had shorter careers than the men in the company. And, you know, a few of the men became dads while in the company, but even that was rare because it's just a very, it's a very, you know, difficult lifestyle. You have to be pretty selfish um, about your time and your body. And we go on tour sometimes for a few weeks at a time and there's no sick days. There's just like, it's only 16 dancers. It's really difficult to cover when somebody's gone. So, None of your time is your own. You can't just ask for a vacation. Right. Um, so I didn't imagine it really being possible. And no woman had had a child and come back to the company since like the 80s. So wow. um, 
Because of the impossible schedule and the grueling days and I the no sick so. days. I think so. And, yeah. you know, I think dance, the world of dance at large is only just now becoming more open to parents in some ways, you yeah. know? Um, I think some, uh, like, outside of modern dance, I think the ballet world is a little more family, you know, there's just more people doing it already in yeah. the ballet world for some reason. Um a little bit less in the modern dance world, but we're catching up now. Yeah. It's funny it's funny to say to hear you say that it's more in ballet than modern because I always think of modern as more progressive. Yeah. And more just different body types mm-hmm. versus ballet has mm-hmm. always been very you know, size zero. Tall and, and lean. Tall yeah. and lean. <laughs> um so it's interesting that that's been that's been more. So COVID hits. Mm-hmm. And what happened with the company? The company was kind of amazing, I thought, in the early COVID days because lots of companies, you know, almost immediately had to put many of their dancers on unemployment. And, you know, collecting unemployment and being unemployed for a few weeks out of the year is like pretty a typical thing in the dance world. Um, you know, our contracts aren't for 52 weeks a year. Right. Um, but the Taylor Company really went out of their way right at from the get-go to be like, we are going to make sure that you guys, I think the whole company took a paycheck from the executive director down to the least senior dancer. Um, but after that, they made us whole. They made sure that we made the money that we were supposed to make every week. Wow. Um, and we pivoted very quickly to, I think within the first week or two, like, I was teaching live Instagram classes, um, and eventually they, we moved over to Zoom. And um, you were teaching to who? To the whoever the okay. world. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting too because like we were just really flying by the seat of our pants, like sort of making it up as we went along. Like I said, Instagram Live was—it's hard to even remember now, right? Like, I know that, that was sort I of know. like pre-Zoom we doing lives. Yes, pre-Zoom. And I remember, like, you know, we pushed everything in my living room and kitchen out of the way, and I was just in a unitard in my kitchen, like, teaching a class to no one. I actually ended up um, calling some of the musicians I knew, and sort of we did, like, a duet, basically, which made me feel more normal a little bit. I wasn't just talking into a void. I was talking to um, Andy Monroe, was one of the pianists that I had, um, and it then I didn't have to try to figure out how to play music for the class. He just played right there. Oh, that's so it nice. Was, it was really fun, um, for especially for the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the company, we did some even, like, classes and rehearsals. And we had had a big transition, actually, just before um, the pandemic hit. Um, like, many of my colleagues that I had danced with for a lot of my career um, retired at the same time. So we lost six dancers out of 16. So we had six new dancers. So we did some like teacher training and they, they assigned us solos to learn that are classic solos in the repertoire. And we all, you know, presented them one by one and got feedback on them. And then I think we were one of the first companies to get back into the studio. So they, um, split us into two pods of smaller groups of dancers and you didn't have to do it if you um, didn't feel safe and you could still keep your job and keep getting paid. And they, we tested um, like 
three times a week at that point, wow. like at those city sites, the oh, free city sites. God. And anyone that you, we sort of like agreed to only so see, you know, very few people socially outside of um, the rehearsals. So, but I was testing, my husband was testing and one of my best friends who had two small children that we were helping a lot with, they were, everyone was testing. We all wore masks while oh we were rehearsing. Gosh. On top of everything you had to, wow. No, it was wild, but we were in a studio, which right. lots of dancers didn't have the opportunity to do at that point in the pandemic. So like I said, the company did a great job of taking care of us and keeping us dancing. But it was sort of like I was, I'm 41 now. So, you know, I was 38 or so then. And it really felt like, you know, I I was hoping to have a child. And I thought at the time that I was going to retire before I had a child. And I thought I should be starting to try to think about seriously about doing that by the time I was 40. Right. Um, and that was creeping up. And here was this pandemic. And I wasn't, you know... At, um, for me, rehearsal is like a means to an end to perform. I love being on stage. And so I felt like I was missing out on these last few years of what I thought was going to be the last few years of my career before yep. this transition. So, you know, my husband and I eventually, I think one of my best friends early on, it's funny, there was an article in the Times about like a dance baby boom during the pandemic. And right. Megan Fairchild said that she had a mentor. I was like, we were in the same life. A mentor who reached out to her and was like, you should have gotten pregnant in March, you know, <laughs> 2020. <laughs> and my friend, one of my best friends, or like that's first summer of 2020, she was like, you should get pregnant. And I was like, no. At the time, I was sort of like, I don't want to miss the first show back. Right. You know? And then it's like a little further on, you're like, who knows when this is going to be? Like, right. I actually you don't know don't, when it's going to end. I don't know when it's going to end. And maybe the first show back maybe I just want to be back. Like I want to be back on stage and I want to be back on stage regularly. And so my husband and I sort of decided to go ahead and start in that we would enter parenthood, not how we expected that I would still be dancing and that we would make it work. So, so you get pregnant. I'd love to talk about the changes. You danced until you were 18 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to talk about the changes that you felt in those 18 weeks and then postpartum, mm -hmm. those changes mm -hmm. mentally, physically, and then how the fuck you make it work now. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and how does your husband or your caregivers, you know, all support so that you can continue to dance? Mm -hmm. So early in my pregnancy, I actually felt really great. Um, Shocking. I know. <laughs> I mean, it was funny. I ended up telling the company a little earlier than I anticipated because I had one horrible bout of morning sickness that kept me in bed for like two days straight, yeah. which, like I said, um, you know, I historically have not, I've barely missed rehearsal in my whole career right. and I had to stay home. Um, and so I ended up telling them a little before I was 12 weeks pregnant and the, the dancer, everyone was very supportive and excited. Um, I don't think anyone knew what to expect, though. You know, like I said, no one has really done it since the 80s at the right, company. Right. Um, and you said, hey, I'm pregnant and I'm going to continue dancing and I plan to come back. Basically, yep. I'm not mm -hmm. retiring. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And, you know, nobody's really batted an eyelash at that. Um, our, my rehearsal director was the only one who I think was you know, sort of surprised she's 90 years old. And at wow. first she was like, well, you can't, <laughs> you can't come back. Um, and she said something to me 
which was like very beautiful and very sad. Um, she said, but it takes your whole heart to dance and your child will take your whole heart. It's true. Which is so true and so lovely. Um, and I know what she means, you know, and even by the end of that conversation, she was like, well, you will try. And if you don't like it, you'll quit and you'll go home to your family. And I was like, absolutely. Like there's no, like, if it doesn't work, I won't stay, but I think I can do it. And I have a good support system and I'm going to try. She was like, great. Okay, let's do it. One of my friends, when I relayed this story to her, you know, who uh, amazingly to a friend of mine who doesn't have kids, um, she said to me, no, 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 your heart will just expand. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's that way when you have more than one, you're like, I think I can only love one child and Mm -hmm. then how will I have enough love for two? And Mm -hmm. then you do. Mm -hmm. So it's the same with your career. Yeah, exactly. So you have, so what, what sort of mental and physical changes occurred and how did that change your dance and how you dance now? I mean, huge. Um, Like I said, early in my pregnancy, I didn't, I didn't feel super different. I felt heavier. <laughs> Even for, the, for my last show, like I was a little bit visibly pregnant. Um, and right at around that point, I, got, I did actually get to perform for our first live audience on oh, my wow. last show before I was pregnant or before I left for my leave, um, which was really fun, really cool um, and fun to do with her there with me. Yeah. Um, and just after that, I started having like a lot of pubic bone pain. Mm, um, I know that pain. Oh, and it got, it never got better Yeah, for like the rest of my pregnancy. It's and a good one. Yeah. To the point where, you know, was I the, was, was it separating? I had a bigger separation than normal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know, you're, I know the pain. Okay. Oh, and <laughs> you know, I was so, by the time, you know, midsummer, that was like. Midsummer of 21. Midsummer of 21. Yep. Okay. You know, between the pubic bone pain and the heat, like I was like the slowest person on the sidewalk. Yep. <laughs> and you have a new appreciation for how um, difficult the city can be if you're, you know, not super able-bodied. Yep. And then once you get a stroller, you also have that same <laughs> appreciation. Um, but walking, walking alone became hard. So I, I, I sort of imagined dancing through my pregnancy and was very curious about what it would feel like. You know, there's, I don't know if you know Ashley Bowder. There's like a video of her when she was pregnant, like 38 weeks pregnant doing fuerte turns. And it just was amazing to me. I've always been amazed by pregnant bodies. Yeah. So I wanted to dance pregnant. Right. And I just couldn't even move um, towards the end. Was that hard having moved your body for 18 plus years and then to just not? Yeah, it was really strange. It was really strange, especially like I just like have had so much control over my body. Mm -hmm. Like, and I've had, I've been very blessed to not have any major injuries um, that really debilitated me, but I've had, you know, aches and pains. I have arthritis in my big toes. I've had some like, you know, strange tendony things. Never, never anything that really took me out, but that caused me pain and frustration and required physical therapy. Um, But this just was like, there's no mastering this. Like you just have to sort of like Oof. accept it and yeah. wait. Um, and you know, lucky or unlucky, my daughter came seven weeks early. Oh my goodness! So she did not 
push me to the max with that. <laughs> and that way it's a blessing. Yeah, for my body, I think it was a blessing. I certainly would have loved for her to stay inside a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, so was she in the NICU? She was in the NICU, okay. yeah, for 18 days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. In so the that, pandemic, it was still, that was sort of like the Omicron. Um, oh, God. So were you allowed in there with her? We were allowed in. Oh, good. But, um, you know, we had to wear masks. So, yeah, I didn't even kiss her until she was like 20-something days old. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would that would break me. It was pretty They wild. wouldn't let you kiss her or you were just wanting to be cautious because she was so early? You're supposed to wear the mask inside. I'm a rule follower. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did. Was I? No, I was wearing a mask. She came and she came very quickly. It was like a big surprise. Like, and my water broke and she was born like an hour and a half later. Like, we barely made it to the hospital. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and I think wow. I was wearing a mask when I, when she was born. I basically hardly remember. Oh my but gosh. That's a very quick labor. It was crazy. I basically, it's like you don't really want to tell many women. Right. I basically did not feel a contraction. Like she was just coming out. Wow. Yeah. Well, that that's a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> I've been mentally prepared for like a labor, you know. I right. actually I trained as a doula many years ago, oh. so I've been to six births and oh my gosh, I was ready. That's to incredible. Go when labor. I retire, dancing and doula—that's going to be my thing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Superwomen, if you happen to be in Dallas, you can experience the Augustinus Bader brand at their first pop-up store located in the West Village, next door to Sephora. The brand will open its doors on November 16th and will be there until the end of December. So stop by for all of your critical skincare needs. They will also be offering their Epic Spa services currently only available in New York City in this location, so be sure to book your Bader Glow just in time for your holiday parties. As my listener, you're going to get 20% off with the code SUPERWOMEN when you shop in store, and it's valid for product purchases, not services. Go get that glow, ladies. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm, what flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. So, when did you decide, okay, she's born, she's here, I'm going to go back, and how did you decide to go back? We had sort of talked about it before I went on leave. Um, the company had some shows at um, City Center here in the city that if she had been born on time would have been around when she was six months. Um, so our plan was for me to rejoin the company after those shows. It sort of was like a good starting point. Yep. But then she was born almost two months early. Right. So we kept to that plan and I ended up getting, you know, more time with her postpartum, which was sort of nice. Yeah. Yeah. So she was eight months old, I think, when I went back. And when did you feel like you needed to go back into the studio and start getting yourself back? And what was what was that process like? I mean, you know, it was interesting because, like, at that point, we had a lot of practice, like, exercising and dancing at home, which yeah. was nice. And there was lots of um, options still 
on Zoom and online. Um, so especially because she was a preemie and because it was Omicron, like I wasn't actually, we were very cautious. Yeah. Um, and I did get to, I still did a lot of working out at home. I had personal trainers and people who do like, you know, lots of, what's the word I'm looking for? Cross training things. Yeah. And my mom came for like the entire month of February, I think. And she was born end of September. So that was probably like when I was like six months postpartum when okay. I, that was sort of like my first, like, okay, I'm really going to like start really trying to get back in shape. But I was still having a lot of the pubic bone pain right. at that point and that sort of adductor inner thigh pain. But I had some great pelvic floor physical therapists. I'm going to need those recommendations. I highly, highly recommend them. One of them I'm still working with to this day because wow. she specializes in pelvic floor and feet, and she's been helping me with my arthritis a ton. Wow. But she's incredible. They're both incredible. Um, and honestly, I started with them before I gave birth because I – Having been a doula, having watched many women and as a dancer, I think I was sort of like, nobody knows, like nobody teaches a woman how to push right before. And yep. so you're in this high stress situation and people are screaming things at you. And I felt like what I was witnessing was people wasting their energy yep. and like what they were telling you to do. It wasn't intuitive. It wasn't. Um, so I started with a pelvic floor physical therapist before birth because I wanted to learn more about my pelvic floor. I felt like even though I am a dancer, I didn't have a good sense of it and yeah. how to, <clears throat> what's the difference between contracting it and relaxing it? Yeah. And really, you know, I think what you need to learn is how to relax it and get it out of the way. It's not the thing that's pushing your baby out. Right. Your uterus is, it's like the strongest, biggest muscle in your body at that point in your pregnancy. Yeah. So... I was really grateful that I did that. Um, luckily for me, like literally the week my daughter was born, my pelvic floor physical therapist had taught me this breathing pattern to do how to exhale, you know, some of the new um, pelvic floor. I feel like the most modern is that you're supposed to exhale while you're pushing, not hold your breath, even though that's still what a lot of people get taught in the yep. hospital. Yep. I was um, just visualizing. Yeah. Like, what did I do? I was screaming, so I was exhaling. Exhaling. Okay. That's good. <laughs> But she taught me an exhale, like a sound to make yep. that I could exhale and relax my pelvic floor at the yep. same time. And it was very, I was hope, I had been hoping to have a home birth, actually. So I ended up in the hospital, which I'm very grateful that we made it there in time, especially with this preemie. But, you know, they were doctors and nurses that I'd never met before. And it was a somewhat emergency situation. And they were screaming at me to hold my breath um, while I was pushing. And she was coming very quickly. Um, and I sort of knew intuitively that she was like, there was not going to be a problem. Right. Like she was coming out. Um, and I remember feeling like if I push and hold my breath the way that they're telling me, I'm going to tear. Yeah. Um, so I sort of just ignored them. <laughs> and did my breath that I just learned that week. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that you knew all that because so many women go into birth like with no plan. Like mm -hmm. they have the bassinet set up and the diapers and the cute outfits and but they haven't planned for this monumental moment that for some can can go so wrong because they're not trained. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I always love it when I meet another woman who's like, yes, I, I prepared for this like you would a marathon. Or Yeah, to me it was a physical pursuit that exactly. I needed to train for. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so you at what point did you say, you know, what were the conversations when you said, okay, not only am I going to go back, but I'm going to go on tour. Mm -hmm. and how am I going to make this beautiful 
baby work in that mix because, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I go back, dance is one of the, dance and probably athletes, the amount of sacrifice, the amount of training and intensity is more than most professions. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious how you get there mentally now that you have a a heart outside your body. Mm -hmm. Your heart is outside your body. It is. Yeah. It's interesting. It's because I imagined being sort of a stay-at-home mom, I was sort of like, when I retire, it'll be like a perfect transition. I can be a stay-at-home mom for a few years and then figure out what I'm going to do next yeah. after that. Um, and now that this has happened the way it has, in some ways I, I'm i really grateful because I, I don't know if I would have struggled with this, but, you know, I've heard that some women sort of don't know who, like you, you, not only are you birthing a new person that day, but you become a new person that day. Like you're not yourself that you were anymore. But, but especially after I was back in the studio, like when I'm there, I'm just who I've always been. Right. You know, and you know, in a good way, I don't even think about her for a lot of the day. Like we have daycare and you know, we're, we're not planning on having more children. Um, and so I'm really happy that she's in daycare because I wanted her to be around other kids. And um, she's there from like eight to six, you know, because both my husband and I work and she's super happy. She runs in every day and she runs out with a smile every day. Like, I don't worry about her. I don't think about her. And also, like, that's like great to have all that time in the studio or on the stage every day where, like, I don't worry about her. I know she's in good hands and I just feel like myself yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And when you go on tour, how does that work? Well, you know, it's an interesting time to do it because coming out of the pandemic, touring has not been quite as um, hectic as it has been in the past. So we're still sort of ramping up. But this spring and summer, which is going to be my last tour with the company, is going to be a little bit more like it used to be. Yeah. But we have had a, a few tours and we've experimented with a few different ways. And basically... I think bringing her on tour is really hard. I'm impressed by parents who bring their kids on tour because you're out of your routine. I don't know. My kid is a super active kid. She's not sort of a sit still and color kid. Even when she's coloring, she's yeah. running around. I didn't have <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think I think she does she does thrive on the routine and her routine is going to take care. And so we have brought her on tour. But it's not my favorite. It's really hard. It's really hard to be on tour, especially because on tour, like, I'm up late. I'm performing. Like, you know, I am used to be able to really be selfish on tour. And yeah. if she's there, I of course, I want to spend the day with her and, like, make sure that she is getting everything she needs and physically, emotionally. And, like, then I have to, like, extract myself from that and get to the theater and, get like, get ready for a show. I find that really hard. And we've really decided that... You know, my husband, he's like, it's really, you know, not during the week, especially. It's not that he's not finding it very hard to be solo parent. He's like, I just have to get her up and do breakfast and get her to daycare and then, you know, pick her up and feed her and put her to bed. He's like, it's really (laughs) not like I don't need two parents to get that going. So he does an amazing amount of so he's done more solo parenting than I have. Um and if it's a really long tour, then we have flown my mom up to New York for um, help on the weekends. And my mom's an amazing cook, and she, like, oh, just makes great. everything, like, even easier for yeah. him. But, yeah. So you mentioned your last tour. Does that mean you are retiring? I am retiring. Okay. Yeah, so take yeah. me through that process. Is it bittersweet or you feel ready? 
Both. Yeah, both. Um, you know, we, the reason I had her while I was still dancing is because I didn't feel done yeah. yet. Um, done dancing Paul's work specifically. Like, and I, I really wanted to be around and dance with this new crop of dancers that came in and sort of like see this transition. And I just, I do, I love Paul's works. I love um, experiencing them. But, you know, I'm 41. My toes are killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we, I started at some point I was like, it's like either we just completed our Lincoln Center season here in New York. And I was like, it's either going to be one more or two more of those. Those are sort of like our Super Bowl, you know. Um, Tom Brady in his final moment. (laughs) (laughs) And I started playing with the idea in my head earlier this year of saying that this one was going to be my last one. And it felt okay, but I felt like it was a little too soon. And we have, we do have some great spring and summer touring coming up this next year. So I decided to do this Lincoln Center and do this spring and summer. And in our life, it's going to work out well because you know, she'll be starting preschool 3K in next fall, so I'll sort of be finished just in time and maybe be able to pick her up at 2.30 or whatever right. and hang out with her. And I want to do – everyone keeps asking me what I'm doing next, and I say I want to do nothing for a while. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. I was, that was going to be my next question is, do you worry about the – you've been going, right, physically and mentally on a certain trajectory for so long, mm-hmm. like – what is what is the idea of doing nothing feel like? Because to me, like, when I took my last maternity leave, it was the first time I could almost fully check out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this is kind of nice. <laughs> but then by month three, I was like, I need more stimulation, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm just curious. It's interesting. You know, we, I've, over the whole career, like I said, we have these sort of like layoff periods. And, um, so there's like times in the year where you might have three or four weeks of no rehearsal. And, you know, sometimes I would manage to fill them with like teaching gigs or something. And sometimes I would just like noodle around the house. And I've been lucky in New York to have a bit of a garden for many years now. And like, just sort of, and I learned to sew when I was 35. And, you know, so I have like little hobbies. My husband sort of is always like, you always fill the time. Like, <laughs> and, and I get stuff done around the house. And um, so, and it, I found in my maternity leave, like I sort of imagined, oh, maybe I'll get to sew. I don't know. And that was not my kid at least like I felt like she needed a lot of my attention um and and I had my maternity leave still during sort of like the last like gasp of precaution in the world around COVID so you know we didn't I met these two women um who we like went on we just walked around Prospect Park like for hours and hours and hours because it was sort of the only like safe thing to do right. in terms of, you know, COVID precaution. And here we are with these like winter babies, just like, you know, we didn't get to do any of the like, you know, mommy and me yoga, like any of the right. sort of like nice cozy inside maternity leave things. We, we didn't really do them. Um, so it might be like a reprise of my maternity leave, but yeah. I'll get to send her to preschool and just right. be by myself for right. a few hours right. every and day. And have, have had more sleep and you won't be using yes. from lots of places. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So before we wrap, I'd love to hear, like, how has motherhood changed you as a performer? Or has it not? No, I think it definitely has. Um, like, one thing is, I think, postpartum physically, I have learned so much more about my core and how to use it efficiently. I don't think it's like things about my body and how it functions that I think I'd been interested in and seeking being pregnant and then recovering postpartum was like the key for me to figuring out those things physically, yeah. um, which I'm always curious and interested in. And being a mother, you know, or a parent, I think not just a mother, but like you have to be so present in the moment and you're so grateful. You're grateful for like every moment with your kid, you know, maybe not every moment, almost every moment, yeah. but also you're so like when you're doing a thing that you love on your own, it's much easier to not like be distracted by everything else going on in the world somehow. I don't know. Like I feel like I can really be present in the moment and I'm not afraid to be vulnerable, which is like the mo one of the most important things as a performer, I think. Yeah. So there's like no fear. There's no distraction. I'm so grateful for that time that I still get to practice this thing that I love that yeah. like it feels like even deeper in my soul. Wow. That's no. beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. You think you'll continue to dance after? I hope to. Yeah, yeah, I really do. Yeah. I sort of have been in this like Paul Taylor tunnel like yeah. for so long that I am just sort of poking my feelers out. Like what what is there out there for, you know, older dancers? Like, yeah. like 41 is weirdly old for dancers, but I know that the field is changing and people, I now when I go to see performances like you know I find older dancers to be so soulful and compelling and emotional and I want to find those people and I want to dance for them and yeah. I want to tell those sort of like deeper stories that's awesome yeah there could be a whole dance company of just older dancers yeah I would love that I mean <laughs> sign me up <laughs> <laughs> I mean to think with like what all of those years have done and, you know, the depth with which you can do that versus an 18-year-old who mm -hmm. happens to be technically proficient mm -hmm. but doesn't have the spiritual necessarily aspect of just age and mm -hmm. knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm signing up to watch you perform as an older dancer. Yay. Thank you. Um, so before we wrap, um, what is one thing we'd be surprised to know about you? Ooh. Other than you studying doula training. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Quirk, hobby. Like I said, fun I fact. Like so I sew my own clothes, and that's sort of something I want to get back into. Oh, when nice. I, when I'm done dancing, I feel like I'll have the time to sew my own clothes again. Yes. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll pair you with my daughter who who wants to sew, and Ooh. she wants me to be her teacher, and I'm like, I, I can't do it. Oh, I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, do you have a piece of advice you'd like to leave my listeners with? Either something you learned or someone gave to you that you feel is worth passing on? I think that, like, what we talked about earlier, that, like, your heart will just expand. Yeah. And, like, don't be afraid of, like, you know, going for all the things you love, not just one of them, maybe. I love that. Yeah. There's one question I forgot to ask you. You know, you mentioned your husband, and he sounds incredibly supportive. Mm -hmm. I, too, have a very supportive husband, and I'm always shocked when I meet women that don't have that partner. Same. Was this – was him – supporting you a conversation you had to have with him or he was just like 
came to the table. A hundred percent. He came to the table. Yeah. yeah. He's, I, um, you know, I feel like the thing you read most about like sharing labor in a household is that often from a woman's perspective of like all the things that the husband doesn't even notice that need to get done. And I, whenever I read these things, I'm like, Oh God, I'm the man in this situation. <laughs> um, so I'm very blessed that he is, um, he's always been a very equal partner in our yeah. home. And, you know, um, I, all the time I'm like, you have like, please tell me if you feel like I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. And he's always like, no, like we, we just have different strengths and we have been, we're lucky that they overlap in like really complimentary ways. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. My husband is like, I'm the like, like I'll clean, like he'll do like the general cleaning, but I'm the deep cleaner, Same. you know, or he makes breakfast. I do dishes like, uh-huh. and we've, we've talked about how it's a dance and mm-hmm. we're not, we don't have to just, it's sort of like this weird intuitive, like the other knows what the other one has mm-hmm. and is taking control over, mm-hmm. like which birthday they're going to own and mm-hmm. all that. But then sometimes I hear these women and they have to like spell it out for their partner. And Yeah. Yeah. I'm I feel always, really lucky. I shouldn't, we shouldn't have to be grateful, but it is so still not normal. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I am, like you said, very grateful. And I hear friends tell stories sometimes and I'm just like, oh, like I could not imagine like yeah. not having the partner that I have, like, I'm very, very yeah. grateful. And I'm interested in the, well, that is one thing that I think will change when I retire from Paul Taylor, because my job will just be so much less consuming. Like he really does a lot of the, you know, meal prep and, um, I haven't cooked forever. Right. Um, partially because he is like the, the alpha chef in the kitchen. And, um, it was one of the only times where we would, I would sort of get annoyed at him is him sort of like hovering over me and telling me what to do. So <laughs> I finally was like, Screw the it. kitchen is yours. <laughs> but when, like, I, I anticipate that the, the, the balance that we have now is going to shift when I have more time. And I hope to take some of those things off of his plate because I'll have the time to yeah. do them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.